1: The diseases of the Egyptians are afflicting 21st century society because we've turned our back on the living
2: Word of God. That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. Keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888 244 Hope 888-244-4673. We have a very special offer we would like to give you the opportunity to take advantage of, and we'll have that for you at the close of today's broadcast, so please stay tuned. Here is Pastor Mark Finley with today's Hope Lives 365. A voice came. Tim
1: said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now here's the question. Was that vision to tell Peter to eat rats, snakes, crocodiles, monkeys, and pigs? Was that the purpose of the vision? Some preachers will turn to this vision, but I'd rather let Peter explain what the vision means himself, wouldn't you? As Peter is sleeping there and the vision takes place, he looks up and he sees that sheet and a knock comes on the door. And Peter says later, explaining why he did what he did, Peter says, Lord, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And this knock comes on his door, and as the knock's coming on the door, there are two men from Cornelius' house, a Gentile, and they say, come to Cornelius' house to preach the gospel. Peter was a Jew. Cornelius was a Gentile. And Peter was calling the Gentiles rats, snakes, crocodiles, pigs. Peter had these big racial barriers in his mind. Peter was looking at people of another ethnic group with eyes of prejudice and God said, Peter, it's like you're looking at them as all those unclean foods, rats, snakes, crocodiles. When Peter was explaining the vision after, why he did what he did, he said, Acts 10, verse 28, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So the vision was not a vision for Peter to eat rats, snakes, crocodiles, and pigs. The vision was to do what? To break down racial barriers, and Peter was not to call any man common or any man unclean. The Bible says that God has made of one blood all nations in truth. Peter says, I perceive that God shows no partiality. We are redeemed by the same Christ. The barriers are broken down between all ethnic groups, between all creeds. The barriers are broken down between all racial groups. There are no barriers in Christ because we now are one. The purpose of the vision was not for Peter to eat rats and snakes and crocodiles or pigs. The purpose of the vision was to erase the prejudice from Peter's mind. That's the meaning in every nation. Whoever fears him and works righteousness, Peter says, is accepted by him. So Peter never went and ate pigs after that. He never went and ate rats and snakes and crocodiles, the unclean things after that. Not at all. He understood the meaning of the vision, that it was to have harmony between all peoples. The Bible says that the devil has a plan. He is a liar from the beginning. He's a murderer from the beginning. The devil wants to destroy our health. By leading us into indulgent habits that break it down. Jesus wants to build up our health. The devil deceives millions of Christians into thinking it does not make any difference how they treat their bodies as long as their hearts are right with God. And we are dying of diseases that could be presented if we followed God's way of life and God's way of health. The way we care for our bodies on earth... Reveals how we would care for them through all eternity in heaven God has given us one body to care for here so that we will Demonstrate that we believe he redeemed us by his grace the Bible says third John 2 beloved Let's read it together. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health Just as your soul prospers. The Bible says that I pray that your body will be in health as well as your spiritual faculties of life. What we do to our bodies impacts our mind, impacts our spiritual life because we're a unit, physical, mental, and spiritual. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Read it with me, please. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He says, I beseech, I urge you, I appeal to you, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Have you presented your body a living sacrifice to God? Have you said, God, whatever physical practice I have, whether it's smoking, drinking... Whatever I'm struggling with, whether it's illicit drugs, whether it's the abuse of narcotics, whether I'm dependent on pills, whether it's alcohol, whatever it is, Lord, whether it's unclean foods, whether it is illicit sex, Lord, I am presenting my body to you. I want my body to glorify you. Have you given him your mind? Have you given him your body? Have you said, Lord, this body that's been redeemed on Calvary's cross, this is yours. Lord, I don't want to put anything into my body that destroys it. There are some lifestyle practices that destroy these bodies of ours. In this last hour, in these end times, God is calling us from any practice that destroys these bodies of ours. Each year, according to the Beckman Research Institute, it's estimated that cigarette smoking kills over 1 million people. God says, I want you to live in abundance of health. Tobacco smoke contains about 70 different cancer-producing substances. Somebody says, but I got hooked as a child. Grace is greater than sin. Jesus Christ can deliver you. ...from any habit that shackles you or binds you. Smokers have a 25% higher chance of heart attack than non-smokers. Cigarette smoking is directly related to lung cancer in our human bodies. Babies of smoking mothers are born much more prematurely... ...and have much less possibility to live. Children who are brought up in smoking homes have many more infections colds because of secondary smoke God is calling us today from anything that will destroy these bodies of ours quitters always win by the grace of God you can win no matter how long any physical habit has attacked your body because the Bible says in Romans 5 verse 20 let's read it together but where sin abounded grace abounded much more I remember I was studying the Bible with Carol. And Carol said, Pastor Mark, I really want to give my body to Jesus. I want his Holy Spirit to fill my life. But I'm struggling with smoking. Will you help me? We went over how to quit smoking. We shared with her from the Bible how to submit cigarettes to God. How to resist the devil. We shared with her how to be free and have that bondage be gone. And I read to her... In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, where the Bible says, I can do all things through what? Finish it with me if you know it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Karen said, I don't think I can do it. I said, but what does the Bible say? I read it again. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. She said, Pastor, I think I'm too weak. I said, Carol, look, get your pen. Take out your pen and write these words in your Bible. I can do all things. Now, I want you to write this. She said, yes, pastor, what should I write? Except quit smoking through Jesus who strengthens me. Because since you can't do it and you don't believe what the Bible says, you better correct the Bible. I can do all things except quit smoking. She said, pastor, I'm not writing that in my Bible. (laughs) She said, pastor, I get your point. If I look at my weakness, I'll never quit. I need to look at Jesus Christ's strength. And Carol that night brought her tobacco we put it on the floor, we gathered and we sought God. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. The key in quitting smoking or any physical habit, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whatever it is, the key is looking away from your weakness to Jesus Christ's strength. The key is submitting it to him. Sure. There may be physical things that are going to help you. But first, you submit it to him and receive his strength. Then, of course, you drink a lot of water. Of course, you take some good walks. But the strength to overcome physical habits comes from Jesus. Sometimes, people, even in their prayers, pray such weak prayers. One night up in Boston, I was praying with a fellow helping him over smoking, and he prayed something like this. Dear Jesus... I'm so weak, I could never quit. Dear Jesus, I know that I'll probably be smoking. Jesus, cigarettes are so strong. Jesus, I smoked for about 20 years. Now, this actually happened. The guy's praying. About halfway through his prayer, I couldn't take it anymore. I shook the man. Man, stop praying. He kind of looked at me and said, what are you saying, Pastor? I said, you're going to be worse after your prayer than before you prayed. You are going to be worse. Because all you are doing is reinforcing your negativeness in your prayer. Pray like this. Dear Jesus, I'm weak, but you're strong. Dear Jesus, your power is greater than tobacco. Dear Jesus, I know you can deliver me. By the grace of God, that man was delivered. Grace is greater than sin. Whatever you are facing tonight, when you submit your body to Jesus Christ, he will deliver you because Jesus is stronger than enslaving physical habits. Jesus is stronger than the things that destroy us. Romans 6 verse 16, you do not need to be a slave. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself, slaves to obey? You are that one slaves to whom you obey. Slaves to tobacco, no longer. Slaves to alcohol, no longer. Slaves to unclean foods, no longer. Slaves to passions that drive you to do things you know are wrong. Slaves no longer. Because you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Jesus Christ. Lord and Savior delivers us from those habits that shackle us. The Christ that healed the sick. The Christ that opened the blind eyes. The Christ that made the deaf hear. The Christ that came and says, Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Do you want deliverance? Ask. Do you want deliverance? Seek. Do you want deliverance? Come and knock. For Jesus says... For everyone, I love that, don't you? Not some, not a few. For everyone who asks will
2: do what? Receive. Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. You can grow in your knowledge of God's Word by enrolling in online courses by Pastor Mark Finley. Go to hope lives three sixty five bible study dot com. Bible prophecy, discipleship, leadership, or improving your health. These courses are especially designed to help you discover deeper insights into the Bible. Go to hope lives three sixty five bible study dot com. That's hope lives three sixty five bible study dot com. Or call right now to register eight 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 two four four hope. That's 244 hope. And stay tuned to the close of today's message. We have a very special offer that we would like you to take advantage of. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley.
1: For everyone, I love that, don't you? Not some, not a few. For everyone who asks will do what? Receive. And he who seeks will do what? Find. And to him who knocks, it'll be open. Come, submit your body to Jesus Christ, Give him those habits and say, Jesus, take my body. I'm presenting it to you. Jesus, I have these drives within me. But Jesus, I know that I can receive victory through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some are fighting the battle with the bottle, and they've said, Pastor Mark, it's tough to fight that battle. There are even some Christians today that have the idea that as long as they socially drink, that is okay. But look what the Bible says, Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker. What does it mean, wine is a mocker? Wine does what? Deceives you. Strong drink is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by it is not wise. When you drink, it deceives you. Why? Because drinking affects immediately the brain. Where does the Holy Spirit communicate? Not in your big toe... Not in your elbow, but the Holy Spirit communicates where? With your brain. That's why Shakespeare said, Oh God, that men should put an enemy in their mouths to steal away their brains. This is exactly what we find demonstrated today in human science. That alcohol destroys the frontal brain lobes. In those frontal brain lobes, you have conscience, reason, and judgment. This is exactly where the Holy Spirit communicates. Now, the United States Department of Health and Human Services, National Institute of Health, National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, united together, and they just published, just came out a massive study on alcohol and the brain. This is what it says. Difficulty walking, blurred vision, slurred speech, slowed reaction times, impaired memory. Clearly, alcohol affects the brain. This is the United States Department of Health and Human Services. Some of these impairments are detectable after only one or two drinks. I cannot afford to have anything affect my frontal brain lobes because the devil will take advantage of those mental lapses and lead you to do things you will not imagine you could do. The Holy Spirit communicates directly with the brain. It says, the statement goes on, These symptoms quickly resolve when the drinking stops. On the other hand, a person who drinks heavily over a long period of time may have brain deficits that persist well after he or she achieves sobriety. Exactly how alcohol affects the brain and the likelihood of reversing the impact of heavy drinking on the brain remain hot topics in alcohol research today. Then the article makes this powerful statement. We do know that heavy drinking may have extensive and far-reaching effects on the brain, ranging from simple slips in memory to permanent and debilitating conditions that require lifetime custodial care. And even moderate drinking, now notice what's this talking about? Moderate drinking leads to short-term impairment as shown by extensive research on the impact of drinking on driving. Can you afford to have your brain impacted by alcohol as a Christian fighting battles of temptation. See, this is a spiritual battle, and the devil wants to get at your mind through your body. God wants you to be able to have choice in your mind to control the impulses of the body. So the devil tries to control the mind through the body. God wants us to control the body through the choices of our mind. And if the devil impacts the brain, then you know that he can destroy your body. Somebody says, oh, I just drink a little bit. Well, you know what? Federal regulations prohibit a pilot from drinking alcohol for at least eight hours before flying. What if you're going on the plane and the pilot has two things of bud there and he's drinking away? And you say to him, you know, you're not supposed to be drinking. He say, I'm just drinking a couple of these. It's no problem. As the plane weaves down the runway this way, that way, you know. I mean, I'm not getting on any plane where that pilot is drinking, are you? You don't want his judgment impaired, but we're on a journey to heaven. And the devil wants to do everything he can to impair our minds. We need the clearest thinking possible to prepare for that journey. Forty percent of alcohol users develop serious drinking problems. Forty percent. So they have problems in their family. They can't work. Somebody says, that's not too many. Well, yeah, sure. It's kind of like having a dog that bites two out of five of your guests. (laughs) And you say, hey, come on over to my house. My dog only bites two out of five. (laughs) 40% serious problems of the family. Alcohol rips apart families, you know. The Bible says, who has woe, Proverbs 23, 29 to 33, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has complaints, who has needless bruises, who has bloodshot eyes. I don't want woe, sorrow, strife, complaints, needless bruises. I mean, there's quite a list. Bloodshot eyes, the Bible says, those who linger over wine, those who go to sample bowls of mixed wine, God's word says it is far better to turn away from wine altogether. He says, don't gaze at it when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. God says, the only safety is to give him your body because in the end, it'll bite like a snake. In the end, it'll poison like a viper. God says, give me your body. Eat and drink only the things that bring glory to me. Give up the unclean foods, the alcohol, the tobacco. Don't put anything into your body. Give your bodies to me, Jesus says. And when you do that, you will live abundant life. The Bible says alcohol, at the end you'll see strange sights. Your mind will imagine confusing things. You'll be all confused about religious values. Alcohol confuses the brain cells. Somebody said, but Jesus created wine at the wedding feast. Wait a minute. How much wine was there made at that wedding feast? The Bible tells us six pots, every one of those pots had about 30 gallons in them. That was about 180 gallons. See, there were six water pots of stone. They were all filled to the brim. Filled to the brim. Six water pots. The Bible gives you the dimensions. And in those six water pots, there are 180 gallons of wine. How many people in that village? We're not sure, but maybe 150, maybe 200. What if there are 200 people at that wedding? Each one, 180 to 200 people at the wedding, each one could have had a gallon of wine if it were fermented. Are you with me? What would a gallon of wine Due to 180 people? Some guy's coming all down the dirt road, he drives his ox cart off the road, smashes his leg. Why'd you smash your leg? Oh, the wine Jesus gave me was so good. Somebody goes off with somebody else's wife. Why'd you do that? Oh, the wine Jesus gave me was so good. Jesus didn't make a whole village drunk. Some kid starts drinking and says, The best wine that I ever had was at Jesus' feast, and that's why I'm a drunkard 20 years later. Not at all. The wine that Jesus gave that day was not fermented. Did Jesus create enough fermented wine to get a whole village drunk? Certainly not. Absolutely not. In the Bible, it talks about fermented wine, an alcoholic beverage that's destroying. It talks about the pure juice of the grape, but it calls it wine as well. The same word in the Old Testament that can be used for fermented wine can be used for unfermented wine. The Bible says in Isaiah 65 verse 8, as the new wine is found in the cluster, what's that new wine in the cluster? Fresh grape juice. Do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it. So new wine, that is the freshly squeezed juice of the grape, is healthy. It's filled with an abundance of life and health. And what kind of wine did Jesus create there? He created sparkling new wine because they said in John 2.10, You have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did not create fermented wine to destroy the life and health of people. Not at all. Wine, alcohol has so many consequences. Health consequences, accidents, families ripped apart. Living in the last days of earth's history, Jesus says to you tonight. He wants to save you completely, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Jesus says, I want to pour out my power on you. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your whole spirit, your soul, your body. What's the spirit? The mental faculties. What's your soul? The spiritual faculties. What's the body? The physical faculties. So Jesus says, in the last days of earth history, I want a people. ...who give their bodies to me... ...a people that are completely mine... ...they've given their minds to me... ...they've given their bodies to me... ...they've given their lives to me totally... ...before Jesus comes... ...Revelation's end time message... ...calls God's last day people... ...to glorify Him... ...in their lifestyle... ...the book of Revelation is calling us back... ...it says... ...Revelation 14 verse 7... ...fear God and do what everybody... ...give what... ...glory to Him... For the hour of his judgment has come. We're living before the coming of Christ. We're living in the judgment hour. Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. How do we give glory to God? Revelation's message says, give glory to God in the judgment hour. What does it mean to give glory to God? Here is what it means to give glory to God. First Corinthians 10 verse 31, reading together. Therefore... Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The Bible says this is the time to give glory to God. When Christ died on the cross, he purchased us. We give him our bodies. Revelation says that God is calling a people, an end time people, to glorify him in all the physical habits of their life Jesus says, John 15, verse 5, Without me, you can do nothing. Somebody says, I've tried to quit smoking. I've tried to quit alcohol. I've tried to control my diet. Somebody says, Pastor, my passions are out of control, but I've tried to control them. Jesus says, Without me, you can do nothing. Then he says, I can do all things, Paul says, through
2: Christ who strengthens me. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered, biblical truths of Scripture in practical, relevant ways. Call 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you call right now for a donation of any size, Pastor Mark would love to give you the book, Satisfied, How God Can Meet Your Deepest Needs. Visit the website Hopelives365.com to find out more about Pastor Mark Finley at Hope Lives 365. If you have the means to bless us with a little larger gift of $500 to $1,000 or more, that would particularly help us right now to continue to bring you these messages here on this station. Call 888 244 HOPE. That's 888 244 4673 or visit HopeLives365.com. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365.